welcome back to another episode of Unwired. I know, this episode came out late, and I even missed last week. Um, you know, I was busy, I had to work. I actually started recording the episode this morning, and realized I was going to be late to do a couple of things, uh, late for a shoot that I was doing. So I packed it up, and I rushed out, I got there, did the shoot, and I realized, ah, I still have enough time. Um, another, uh, I was going to be doing a podcast, simulcast with a recording, but then uh, that sort of fell through for today, so I decided to come back and finish up this episode. Then, of course, I decided, let me just start from scratch. Um, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm coming in and starting this episode straight from scratch. And I'm going to talk more about the shoot that I did today. My original conversation was just talking about some audio plugins I'm using, some other things that are going around. But today I'm just going to talk about the, the shoot. This was actually a video of a photo shoot. So we can use that to create some promo for this podcast that I'll be working with, uh, with a company called Message. It's, a, it's actually a magazine. The original name was Message Magazine. It's a Christian-based magazine uh, tailored towards uh, urban folk. Uh, it's a nice way of saying inner city folk. And trying to get them reconnected with important things in their lives. Trying to get them with solutions, whether it's health, spirituality, sexuality, um, uh, life. You know, life is so much different now than it was even 20 years ago. And this magazine been around since the, oh wait, is it the early 1900s? Yes. The magazine has been around for a really long time, really talking about issues that relate to the urban folk. And uh, it's been used with great success to help reclaim those coming out of prison or even still in prison and giving them a better connection to their community, uh, their history, and showing them that there's a different way to live. They don't have to go back into old habits. So that's sort of the work that I was doing today. Now, in videotaping a photo shoot, uh, it's a little bit different. For one, I got to stay out of the way of the photographer because he's really the key and he's the one giving instructions. But I'm able to capture some of what makes the photo shoot work, uh, capture some of the 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 interaction between the two hosts that are going to be on this podcast as well as the interaction with the photographer. Um, it was a really good uh, shoot. And I had quite a bit of fun doing it. I took the Blackmagic Pocket, Pocket Cinema 4K camera, uh, which a lot of people are just deciding, let's just call it the Pocket 4K. It's easier. So I took the Pocket 4K and I went with three different lenses. I went with uh, a Sam, a Samyung, how do you pronounce the name of that company? S-A-M-Y-A-N-G, Samyang. They're uh, like the sister company to Bauer and Rokinon. Uh, I have a 12 millimeter Micro Four Thirds. Then I took my 20 millimeter Panasonic Micro Four Thirds, and I took my 18 to 35 Sigma, which is a uh, 
uh, EF and I have the speed booster. And I recorded to my 500 gig SSD that I'm using connected USB to the Pocket 4K. And I'm using EF batteries. I have a quick story behind that, but that'll come a little bit later. So I was using the, I made sure I charged it up last night. According to my checklist, I got all my batteries charged up. I got, made sure my media was ready and I was good to go. Made sure I had my lenses, lens adapters, everything. But I keep forgetting Micro Four Thirds has that um, 2x crop. And so my 18 to 35 becomes a 36 to 70. My 12 millimeter becomes a 24. So in my head, I'm hearing 12 meter, 12 millimeter. I'm thinking, wow, I've got to, I'm going to be able to get the entire room. But that crop factor does play a role. And uh, I think the 12 millimeter is the largest non fisheye you can get. I might actually invest in an eight millimeter fisheye Micro Force Thirds. Uh, and then see what it looks like. I like the 12. I'm glad I got the 12 because it was very useful in this instance. Um, and being able to capture more of the set than even my 18 millimeter would get. Uh, it, it actually felt a little bit limiting. It, it's really weird. Uh, the speed booster helped. And the, the video I got, I think, it came out really well. Um, I'm not sure when it's gonna. I'm gonna be done editing it, but keep your eye out for the the footage for message, uh, and you can get more information at uh, messagemagazine.com. So those were that's what I used. Took the the Cinema 4K, the Pocket 4K out, and in less than an hour, I had chewed through the the Blackmagic battery, the stock battery. So, I've been looking at different power solutions. Uh, Caleb Pike from DSLR Video Shooter has a video on YouTube about different power solutions. Tom Antos uh, has a video um, on the batteries, the different ways to power it. It's universal that a V-mount battery is the best way. However, with a V-mount battery, I'm going to have to put on a lot of extra gear just to be able to use this camera. Now, at one of the places I work, they came out with a belt solution. The belt mounts the V-mount battery, and then you run a D-tap to the power input of the Pocket 4K. I bought a sled that uses... Um, I brought a sled that uses Sony NPF batteries, which tend... I have the large ones, which tend to have more juice than the... Canon LPE6. So I've been trying to use the sled, but my sled has a dummy battery. It's supposed to be 7.4 volts, but after a few minutes um, on using that sled, the power turns off on the Pocket 4K. And why that's a problem is sometimes the file doesn't close properly. You get no warning, and it's, it's very annoying. You're in the middle of trying to do something. The other day I was out trying to do time lapse of some cloud movements. Camera just died. I'm glad I was actually paying attention. I, I could have sat there for another half an hour thinking I'm getting something. So V-mounts are the way to go, but that's quite an investment. You're going to be spending a couple hundred dollars. I could always buy the battery grip that um, Blackmagic announced at this past NAB, 
But then my cage is useless. I would have to see if they've come out with a cage to hold the battery grip. Uh, and it's a pretty, it's a fairly good sized battery grip that also uses Sony NPF batteries, but it uses two. But that's in the $200 range, $245, I believe. Um, I wish that price had been lower, and I might have bought one. But as it stands, I've I just ordered a cable to go from the sled, the NPF sled, into the power port of the Pocket 4K and see if that makes a difference rather than trying to use an LPE6 dummy battery. Uh, so once that comes in, that may come in today. Maybe I'll talk about it on the next video. So in getting that, like I said, I recorded to my Samsung SSD. It's a small 500 terabyte, excuse me, 500 gigabyte. <laughs> 500 terabyte drive would be awesome a 500 gigabyte uh, SSD and I recorded B-Raw now um, when I got it back and edited it I exposed fairly to the right um, I sort of overexposed the footage and I was able to recover quite a bit but even B-Raw can't recover everything when we do the sh when we did the shoot outside and what made it hard is because the lens, the screen, excuse me, the screen on the Pocket 4K is pretty good when you're indoors. When you're outdoors, it gets washed out easy. It's very hard to see any detail. So I didn't realize I was overblown. I should have used false color, but for some reason, I forgot to use false color today. I'm a big fan of false color. If you're not familiar with what false color is, look it up. It is a great tool to use to figure out your exposure. Now, in cases like shooting outside, especially when you have a, the sky as the backdrop or a big white wall as a backdrop, the camera has a tendency to expose more for the whole scene. And I haven't figured out how to do spot uh, exposure, spot uh, exposure settings so that I can pinpoint one particular area. And that's what the good that's what makes the false color so good. It'll show you everything and how it's exposed, whether it's the background, the sky. I'm really surprised I didn't use it. It would have helped a bit. I lost the sky. I wasn't able to recover the sky, but the rest of the picture looks really good. And uh, I believe that was with the 12 millimeter lens. Uh, I had two people in the frame. I got both of them fit pretty well I, I guess I was close I was close so I could pick up the audio we didn't want to mic them with labs or anything so we just used a uh, external movie it's a it's a company that you could find on Amazon they mimic the Rode mini microphone the Rode I forgot what it's called it's the on-camera Rode the smallest least expensive Rode mic but this one is a knockoff, you could say. And I like the sound of it very well. It's, it's another one of those devices that someone suggested on YouTube. And I picked it up. I think it was like $26. And I've been very happy with the audio from it. It is more omnidirectional than shotgun. So it picks up a lot of the off-axis noise. Um, but it doesn't... It sounds very... It's, it's, it's placed in a good range um, where you can pick up quality highs and quality mids not so much the lows but it does a good job with getting uh, the right sound in there
So let's switch gears a bit. And what we're going to do is let's talk more about what I did when I processed the file. I got back, I processed the file. Um, B-RAW is relatively new, and though I've been editing raw photos for quite a while, uh, editing raw within a video editing package is definitely new for me. Usually, well, back in the day, um, we tried hacks on Canon equipment to get them to shoot raw, and I found it to be way too tedious and not worth the effort. And the other cameras, the professional-grade cameras, which did shoot raw, it was so much storage, and it was so hard to work with that I didn't bother. When I started in color correction a few years ago, uh, I found it interesting how Blackmagic dealt with it. So so different than Premiere, than Premiere Pro, and so much better than Sony Vegas Pro. Uh, please understand, I am I was a huge fan, still sort of am, huge fan of Vegas Pro. The simplicity, the way it handles certain files. You could throw everything at it and it would work just fine. You could throw different frame rates, different frame sizes. You can export anything from the single timeline. And it's only recently where Premiere Pro was able to start doing the same things. And DaVinci Resolve, up until very recently, it couldn't do certain things. Uh, it couldn't change frame rates. You couldn't... Uh, have a timeline at one frame rate and export to a different frame rate and it just started doing that so i've always liked vegas but it couldn't handle color correction at all not very well there was some little tweaks you can do but overall no 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 not well at all and so when i started getting into color correction and shooting more flat profiles i moved to davinci resolve and slowly but surely, they're getting much, much better with their editing side. I, I had gotten into it before they introduced the editing uh, tab. And now they have a cut tab, edit tab, a whole bunch of other tabs. And in fact, in some ways, it's, it's overkill <laughs> for certain small projects. And I would like to go back to using Vegas Pro, but I have an older version which can handle all the new file formats. So I'm stuck with what I got. And... Uh, I do have the paid version, which I got prior to ordering the Pocket Cinema 4K. I ordered the Pro version. And in truth, it wasn't necessary. I got it for the noise reduction. And you don't really... It's good, but it's not like Neat Video. Neat Video is really good at noise reduction. Um, the Blackmagic Pocket... 4K came with another version of with another full version which now I'm using on my laptop. So you don't need the full version. You can do just about everything else with the free version. I mean there's some effects that you may not be able to use that most people don't use to begin with. Uh, the addition of Fusion is a little bit more complicated. It makes the program more powerful but it also makes it more complicated. So, And because they release a new version every year with some really new features, it's, it's been a bit hard to keep up. But the Blackmagic RAW, being able to get these slightly overblown, slightly um, exposed to the right, and then pulling back and getting the information out of it is great. And so I was able to take what really looks like a flat, overblown... A photo, no color, no contrast, no real detail, and add something to it. Um, 
And I think it looks really good. I can't even uh, tell the difference in lenses sometimes. Not all the time, sometimes. When I take a look at the indoor shots that I also shot in B-roll, I think I'm going to see a, a much bigger difference on the inside um, between the different lenses. What I wish I had brought is my 50mm Canon um, because that has some of the most beautiful video. I mean, it could shoot some of the most beautiful video uh, in all my lenses. But I had it in my other camera bag, so I didn't bring it. See, that goes back to that checklist thing. I didn't think I would need a 50mm, especially cropped as it would be on a Micro Four Thirds, even with the Speed Booster. So I didn't have that with me. Um, and do I regret it? No, not really. I just, I wish I had had it just as a comparison's sake. So I shot with the 18, the 35 Sigma, and then when I went outside, I used the 12 meter Samyang uh, lens, which I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Let me just look it up here. I'm on YouTube. Let me see if. No, there's Samyang noodles. Okay, no, it is Samyang. Oh, Samyang. No, it's Samyang. That's what we're going to call it, Samyang. So it's a 1.7, excuse me, uh, a 2.0, 12mm. Uh, let's see, 12mm. Which, like I said, it's, it's, it's almost necessary for... It's almost necessary for the um, to have a 12 millimeter on a micro four third so you can get those wide angles. All right, to close up and finish out this episode, uh, we're we're speaking about just about everything today, right? Uh, covering many different bases about a production that was done, the fun of it, working with the Pocket Cinema 4K. Uh, dealing with dynamic range, forgetting to use false colors. You know, it's it's interesting when you go through different workflows like I do, working with different sets of equipment, you really have to mind um, your setups ahead of time. And we're not just talking about the setups for getting the gear together, but how you use your gear. Remembering how to set your settings for the particular environments you're using. Uh, remembering to do different white balance. White balance, yeah, you think it comes naturally, but because each camera does it differently and you require it, um, you may need to change constantly. You have to remember to do those things. Uh, there's some environments where you don't have to change your white balance constantly. If you have a CCU operator, someone who does the white balancing for you, you just get there, you set up your camera, you point it at a chart, someone else takes care of all the white balancing, and all you do is have to focus and shoot. And there are other times when you have to make sure your audio is right. Um, you have to make sure that your uh, lighting is right. Uh, I got a bit of a lens flare in one part of the video I was doing by accident, but it worked. It, it added something to the setup. So now you have to worry about how you position your people. And what I'm talking about is the difference between doing a studio job where you're just a camera operator. And I don't mean that derogatorily, but you're the camera operator. So you're responsible for the pan the the giving the director something to look at giving them um, you're their eyes 
So how you pull your focus, how you zoom in, how you pan, how you tilt, all those things are meaningful. And you want to do them at the right timing. You know, sometimes you do it when you're hot or you're in your life or sometimes you don't. It depends on the mood where it's different when you're a DP and you're directing other people in what to do. And then there's a difference when you're in a videographer in a cinematic role or more of a run and gun role. There are different things to keep in mind as you're doing your job. So, um, and I use that as a reference, forgetting to use false color. There was a time when I would never forget. I mean, that's, that's what I would use. But because the jobs I've been doing lately haven't involved false color, it was different. You know, it, I just forgot that tool was available to me. And so you, when you do so many different jobs, you have to stay constantly aware of your tools, how to use them, and what's the best use case for the work you're doing at that moment. Oh, that reminds me. That reminds me. There's someone I wanted to talk to about uh, videography from a learning aspect. She wanted to um, shadow a couple of different jobs that we did. Uh, so I'll have to keep that in mind. Look, this has been a really interesting episode. Uh, I've actually recorded it over a course of some time. Different things got in the way, had some background noise that I had to get rid of. But this has been fun, talking about my um, work and really getting deep into what it takes to do well. Uh, the different things you might you have to remember and... The different reasons you might forget, but most of all, the fun you can have in doing it. Always enjoy what you're doing. The adage is true. If you do what you love, you will never work a day in your life. And may I add to that, you can often cash pretty good checks while you're doing it. So look, stay tuned. We have, we have more things coming up. Um, listen out. I know I missed a week. But stick with me, we'll get back on track. Thank you for listening to Unwired, and keep listening out for us. Don't forget, send us email, unwiredthepodcast at spaceage-llc.com.